just going to read uh, going to read Colossians a little bit later as I get started with the sermon, started with the message. And uh, my hope is to do a going to do a series through Colossians. Um, it's kind of one of my favorite uh, books. Um, uh, that and Philippians, of course. Um, love Philippians, but Colossians. I remember when I was at Tyndale and I had to do a study. Um, or I had to pick a book of the Bible and do a study on it. I, I chose Colossians, and in part because of the passage that we're going to read today, and, and just yeah, just the the force that it has. So, it's times like these when life gets tough, as it often will, when things are rough, and you've got a steep hill. You try to rise, and you've got an ache, and you try to sleep, but you lie awake. You try to rest, but the day seems dreary. So on you trod, worn and weary. When the skies are gray and the clouds abound, no warmth of the sun, only rain on the ground. Your bank account's low, your credit card's high, can't get ahead, your hope runs dry. It's times like these, times we all face, our breath comes short. Lord, where is the grace? Sure, there's sun above the clouds, high above exists no shroud. There's joy above the lowly plain. Problem is, you've got no plain. It's times like these, times we all face when we don't see the Lord's grace. But without clouds, there would be no rain. Without rain, there'd be no grain. From the grain comes our daily bread. Our belly's full, but still it's set. It's times like these, times we all face when we don't see the Lord's grace. The poet here knows of God's grace, but often can't see his grace when circumstances, concerns, and burdens cloud that grace. Recently, Case, Pete, and this past Monday, Sue went home to be with their Lord. Grief can certainly cloud our view of his grace and his goodness because losing a loved one is painful. Dealing with these losses of separation can bring on loneliness, depression, anxiety. I often wish I could open up a zipper and see heaven. Years ago at uh, Serve in Peterborough, the one that I, the only one I went to, and I, I'd like to attend more over the coming years. Um, the speaker talked about having that zipper and being able to open it up and wishing you could see to remove those clouds, to see our loved ones, even if just for a second. Just to know that everything will be okay in the end. As Ron talked about in his prayer with uh, you know, the dryness in one end of the country and then the floods in the other, I'm sure those people are saying, Lord, where is your grace? There's a myriad of situations that can make us lose sight of God's grace. Just fill in the blank for your own situation. And uh, if you don't have anything, well, soon you will. As it said, you're either coming into a problem, going through a problem, or coming out of a problem. It's really how we deal with the problem. But just like the clouds or the smoke and haze from the wildfires a little while back, that blocked the sun, we wonder, will we ever see God's grace again? Will we ever see the God of glory, which we know is big enough to swallow up even death? As Christians, we live by faith and not by sight. 
We come here in faith because God compels us to come here and to worship and to serve and to listen. And you know, this implies that each of us here have seen God's grace at one time or another in our life. We wouldn't be here if we didn't experience God's grace. And just on a side note, it's very important that we share those stories of God's grace. We can often show our, share our problems and our aches and our pains and our frustrations, which we all need to do, but also sharing with each other what God is doing in our lives. I know for myself, if it was just me, myself, and I, I wouldn't have very much faith, but my faith gets encouraged by listening to the stories of you folks and other people and sharing the goodness of God in their lives. And as each of us continue to seek him, even though we often struggle to see God's grace, um, in this particular chapter, Paul seemed to really experience and testify to God's grace. In spite of terrible situations, Paul was able to see through the clouds and in spite of his circumstances and understand God's love for him and humanity. Let's read this first chapter to the Colossians. If you want to open it up, I don't know if it's on the screen, but it's on page, uh, it's on page 1142 if you'd like to look it up. And I'm actually going to start earlier, David. I didn't give the full scope of the passage. 11.42 Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and your love that you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. And that you have already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you. All over the world the gospel is bearing fruit and it's growing. Just as it's been doing among you since the first day you heard it. And understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day that you first, that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray that in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And we'll just stop there for now, and we'll get to the rest here. This passage that we're looking at is one of my favorites. 
Paul's never been to the Colossian church before, but he hopes to at some point. When he wrote this letter, he was in chains. I often feel inferior to Paul, and I tend to side more with Peter or with Jonah. Why? Because we know that Paul had these visions of God's glory that he wasn't even able to express. We read this in 2 Corinthians 12. We read many similar accounts in some of the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, John, the Apostle, Moses. And you could just feel the faith and the hope and the joy that's in Paul as he pens the first part of Colossians. We know that God has allowed Paul at least once to have that zipper open and to be able to peer in and be amazed at what was on the other side. Even many of the prophets in the Old Testament before the revelation of Jesus was given were able to see our Lord high and lifted up. But then I often think, you know, Chris, you know, those who receive more, more will be demanded and asked of them, says Jesus. More who receive, those who receive more, more will be demanded, says Jesus and Luke. And we know that Paul suffered dearly for our Lord and was more than willing to do so. He says in Colossians 1.24, which we'll read in a bit, he said, Now I rejoice in my suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. You see, these revelations were not in vain. Paul was instrumental in starting the church. And his journey to all these cities and his letters make up one-third of the New Testament canon. And they're taken 2,000 years later as the inspired word of God. You know, Paul had seen the sun above the clouds. The Son of God above the clouds of his natural senses. It's like God unzipped that veil and was able to... Paul was able to see heaven from earth. In the life of Paul, he lit the flame of Christianity. He had a responsibility, as each and every one of us do, in our own spheres. And he owned it. And I have to remind myself when I'm reading this letter, and sometimes when I feel I I wish I had more, I wonder, am I missing something? I felt guilty of the past of reading testimonies, great testimonies of of faithful Christians who have had visions and revelations. And I wonder, am I less of a Christian because I don't have those things? I have to be careful because God gives each as they're able to handle. And he gives a different calling to different people. To Paul, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in your weakness. And that's the same for me. God's grace works best in my weakness. His power works best. His grace is sufficient for me. His power works best in my weakness. So at the beginning of this chapter that we just read, we see that Paul is thankful for the faith and the love that the Colossian church has demonstrated. We see a similar thankfulness in the church in the letter to the Philippians. And so first... Paul starts off by stating his authority as an apostle. 
of the triune God. He also included his co-workers, Timothy. He also mentioned that it wasn't even him who brought the gospel to the church at Colossians. It was Epaphras. You see, they worked together to bring the gospel, and none of us can do it alone. And we all work together. Some have gifts of worship. Some have gifts of preaching. Some have gifts of service. Some have gifts of evangelism. And it's very important that we encourage and we support each other in each of those gifts. Second, and the thing that really helps me, because I struggle with a um, very sensitive conscience and uh, struggle sometimes with guilt and with fear, and um, Paul doesn't reference these people as sinners. He doesn't reference them as sinners. They're saints. They're saints. Not once did Paul call the Christians sinners. But they're saints redeemed by Jesus Christ. Sure, a lack of maturity? Yep. Sure, indulging in sin? Yep. Sure, you know, on milk and they should be on solid food by now? Yep. But they're in Christ. And once you're in Christ, that remains. There's no need to look somewhere else for it. They're saints. They just need to own it. We're saints. We just need to own it. So we thanks, <clears throat> so we thanks the Lord for their faith and what he was hearing about. And this filled Paul with joy. And it, it just, and he saw that it was producing good fruit. So Paul continues to remember them in prayer asking God to strengthen them in faith and to live it out in their words and actions. It was good seed. And Paul thanks the Lord for this. It's very important that we're praying for one another. They did the funeral for Sue on Friday, and I think I was a little bit nervous, you know, at the beginning. And Ron, you said, Chris, you want me to pray for you? You know, that was important just to have a fellow brother just there ready to pray. And in my own life, and, in, and I've been able to stop and pray for somebody else and not think nothing of it. Think that I just, just need to pray for them. I felt no revelation, no vision, no God, you need to go speak to that. No, nope. I just prayed for them. And find out a couple weeks later that that prayer, they felt the presence of God. And then a couple weeks after that, they passed on to glory. You don't know how much influence we can have. We're just simply obedient. Doesn't have to be pretty. Doesn't have to have correct words. I fumble over my words all the time. We just need to be faithful. So first, Paul states his authority, and it came as a cost. Second, Paul referenced them as sinners, not as sinners, but as saints, and we're saints as well. Third, the reward. The hope laid up for you in heaven. You see, this is their reward, and it's ours too. Sue, Pete, Case, they've now received their reward. Eternal life. The hope that was laid up for them in heaven is what? Now a reality. I had a friend in my men's group, and he asked the question, he said, would I continue to believe in God if, if God wasn't real? Would I continue to live the way that I do? 
And he thought about it and he said, yes, I would. I'd rather live the way that I'm doing, even if none of this even existed. He would still live for Christ. But the good news of Jesus is worth dying for. Because he turned sinners into saints. And we receive the hope of eternal life. This is pure favor, pure grace from God that we don't deserve. That's the grace that draws us to come to church every Sunday. To serve, to worship, to pray, to tell our neighbors about Jesus. You see, there's so many that seem to be working so hard for the here and now. They have a false hope that they can make it on their own. Or I might as well live for myself because that's all there is. They believe the lie that the stuff of this earth leads to a kind of redemption. Or it will bring a true joy or a satisfaction. Or that science or progress or more knowledge will eventually create a utopia. Heaven on earth, if you will. Yet it never comes about. This doesn't mean that we can't take pleasure in life. In fact, we of all people should have the most joy. We should have the most joy. Yesterday I was working on a project in the kitchen for my dear wife. I took a beam out of the kitchen, oh, two years ago, a wall, and it's all open now. And it's not finished. And it sits there with open studs. And then it took my twin brother, who has more energy than I do, to come down and kind of, Chris, you got to get a beam in there. you got to get it fixed. you got to... So I finally on Saturday broke down, bought the wood, and started to drywall. And uh, I haven't done it in a little while. It took a little bit to get it going. You know, and I, I'm getting frustrated because the mud that I have is um, it's half dry. And, uh, and, and I just... But, you know, I just turned the worship music on. I just listened to worship music. Um, uh, what's the song magnified by... Um, oh, what's the... Yeah, so, so good. And I just, you know, and then I, I came across my neighbor, Paul, who also does, you know, drywall and stuff. And he, oh, Chris, you just need to do this and, and just, just put the little lines down, you know. And, and, and he gave me his trowel and he gave me his little thing and he taught me how to use it. And I knew how to use it. It's just been some time. But I just, I let him kind of be able to offer up his, his skills. And I just worship, Lord as, worship the Lord as I'm just drywall in these ends and I can just see the smile on my wife's face you know that this job is finally getting done you know we can take pleasure and we have we have all people should take the most pleasure out of life Martin Luther said that if the world was to end tomorrow he would still plant his apple tree so Paul continues to remember the Colossian church in his prayers in fact, he doesn't cease to pray. I wonder, Lord, I cease to pray all the time. He continues to do so. Paul was faithful in prayer. And finally, we're to be the most blessed of all because we have this hope of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now for this passage. First, yeah, 15, 15 to 20. 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile Himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. And then He talks about once you were alienated from God by your behavior. But now you're reconciled to Christ. And you need to continue in your faith, be established and firm. And this is the gospel that you heard. But then a little later on in verse 26, it said, The mystery that has been kept hidden for the ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of that mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. In that passage, 15 to 20, eight times it says all. So I looked up the Greek word. What does all mean? It's in there a lot. Well, it means all. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's why we worship. That's why we worship. The first part of that 15 to 20 talks about God's supremacy, Jesus' supremacy over all creation. All creation. The second part is his supremacy over the church, over this church. Christ is our head, our head. The third part shows how we can join in the supremacy of Christ, how everybody can join in that supremacy or join with him. It's because of his humility, his crucifixion, his resurrection. Jesus, the Son of God, the very Word of God, the face of God, couldn't be exalted without first being humbled. He needed to die before he could be resurrected. We cannot often be exalted without first being humbled. He needed to die before he could be resurrected. We cannot be exalted without first being humbled. We cannot experience glory unless we experience some pain, some trials, and the surrendering of ourselves. And oftentimes, God has to pull that grace away in order for us to see that. Sometimes there needs to be those clouds in order for it to rain in order for the crops to grow, in order for us to be fed. And each person in each situation is unique. We cannot experience resurrection without first experiencing 
death. As it says, without clouds there'd be no rain, without rain there'd be no grain. From the grain comes our daily bread, our bellies full, but still it's said. You know, the sun may be blocked for many days, but it continues to shine, is what Paul is saying in here. Jesus continues to shine, even though sometimes we can't see his grace. And oftentimes it's in the hard times, it's in the loss, it's in the sickness. What does it do? It brings us to our knees. It causes us to continue to seek him, to worship him, to call out to him. And that's exactly how it needs to be. That's exactly how it needs to be. Because if everything was good, if we were able to open that zipper of heaven and see, see heaven all the time in front of us, guess what? There'd be no faith we would know the full story. We'd have complete knowledge. As we know Sue, Pete, and others that have passed on. It's not faith anymore. They're living in the reality of Christ. Our call is to simply to acknowledge Him, to praise and worship Him, even as we're drywalling, planting crops, taking crops off. Even, even as we're helping our neighbors you know, down in Nova Scotia, the floods, and you're wondering, like, what is going on here? Like, the drought. And all these things acknowledge that something's not right. And then we look to what Paul has to say, the weight of what he has to say here. And we know that here is all is not well. But on the other side, it is. God still shines. And He shines in Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the hope of glory. And the fascinating thing, and the thing that just causes me to really just... So I wonder, God, where are you? Lord, why? Christ is in each and every one of us. He's in us. We're saints redeemed by Christ. Our call is to worship, to pray, to love, to serve, to glorify Him. That's what the world needs to hear. That's what's going to bring them to Christ, bring them to faith, is to see a worshiping body full of love and joy, praising our Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's, uh, it's hard to even describe who you are. And we see that Paul makes an attempt with words to describe the indescribable. How Jesus, you're the image of the invisible God. And sometimes we feel we just don't measure up. Sometimes, well, that's, that's Paul saw something, but we don't. We're struggling to see your grace. And yet, Lord, we see it in each and every one of us. Often we see it through the trials that we go through, the frustrations. Often we see it through the loss. And that's when we see your grace the most. Because you've given us faith that your Son, Jesus, lives in each and every one of us when we believe. 
And that faith causes us to continue to believe in spite of sometimes not seeing your grace. So we thank you for who you are. We ask that you fill this body just with your love, your spirit, with hope, and with joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.